With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is I Will Make You a Millionaire, another episode helping someone reach their goal of making millions. So Jen, you mentioned that things have been a little stressful. So the first question is, how do you deal with stress? I know how I deal with stress, and sometimes it's not so good, sometimes it's good. Yeah, I'd say why I feel so stressed. And this is something I love, but it brings me stress is that I'm always doing 1000 things. So I have a to-do list every week that just never seems to end. It just gets longer and longer and longer. So I think that when I feel super stressed by it, I have to step away. I have to give up. I have to say, okay, today I, I can't do any more and then try to start again tomorrow. But I do think, you know, I'm the kind of person who likes that chaos, who likes that stress, but yeah, I don't think I'm, I think I've been handling it pretty well. I do think some of the things making me stressed out lately were also making me think, making me feel scared. Let me just add that part of being on your own, meaning like not, not working for a regular standard nine to five corporate job and trying to achieve wealth. Part of that means is that you're taking on more than you can handle that. Like almost by definition, you have to take on more than you can handle everyone else takes on what they can handle, which is why it's not as likely that they're gonna create incredible wealth. Yeah. But when you take on more than you can handle, A, bad things can happen. You could, yeah. you could lose what you have. Yeah. Uh, B, you could get stressed. It could be, you know, C, sometimes things are going to fail and, and depending on how you, the mindset you have for, for dealing with those failures, whether they're big or small, is, is important. And this is not, like I'm, I'm saying this more to myself. Like I'm always, Jay knows, I'm always taking on more than I can handle even now. And I think to myself, why do I do this to myself? Like, it's just, yeah. sometimes it just feel, I feel like an idiot and I get, I get stressed. And then, yeah, I have to figure out how to cope with stress. And then there's kind of the, there's kind of like the obvious stuff, like, you know, taking walks, uh, uh, you know, being grateful, uh, eating well, sleeping well, those, actually those four things are incredibly important. Like sleeping well, I just read, if you don't sleep, if you sleep less than like, let's say six hours a day, or if you sleep around like five, six hours a day for three or four days in a row, you start exhibiting signs of dementia Mm. and, you know, and, and you get irritable and all that kind of stuff. Eating well is obvious. Like if all you eat is for me, if all I eat is junk food, then I'm just like Jay, I just start screaming at Jay and hitting him when he's around and it's, it's not very pleasant. And, 
grateful is because it just sort of reminds you that it's not all about all these little, you know, shitty things we have going on, that there's, there's a reason why we're doing this. Yeah. Like there, there's a why to it. And, uh, uh, I forgot the other thing. Oh, taking walks. It's just good to get out and, you know, see the universe and, and take a walk with your loved one or whatever. But it's interesting. I was talking to Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist at Stanford. And he, you know, he, t- he was telling me about dopamine and serotonin. And so dopamine's that kind of neurochemical that gets you moving in the morning, gets you excited about what you have to do. And serotonin is the neurochemical that makes you feel satisfied with what you have accomplished so that you could sleep at night. And so for dopamine, he suggested basically go for a walk in the morning, make sure your eyes, your eyes have, your eyelids have dopamine receptors on them. So he suggested go for a walk in the morning and try to look at the horizon. And so there's something about looking at the horizon that triggers dopamine. And, uh, and again, like eating nutritiously, exercising in the morning, all these things, uh, uh, gratitude, all these things he felt were very helpful to get, to kind of overcome that, that stress in the morning of like, oh my gosh, I have so much, so much to do. And, uh, and serotonin, he said, just get rid of the screen in the evening. Like, don't look at the screen a couple hours before you go to sleep. Don't eat for a couple hours before you go to sleep. You know, try to do some activity you enjoy other than, than work. And all these things don't take much time, but greatly reduce stress. But I'll, I'll admit sometimes stress for me, I feel like I was traveling the past week and a half and it was nonstop. Like I never had like a minute off and Jay was calling me constantly with yeah. new podcast guests. And I was like, Jay, stop it already. And he quit and that stressed me out. But then he came <laughs> back and so. Thank God. We need him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need this. It's very Jay easy is, to get me back. You know, just, just feed me some rice. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Jay is the force behind this podcast. He turns me, he, he turns the switch that gets me open in the morning. And uh, so I could do this. He's so, your yeah. dopamine. He's your personal yeah. dopamine. He's like, he, he, he gives, I command him to give me his dopamine every morning. So he's depleted of dopamine, but I get a stem cells from Jay. Yeah. To get every my morning there's out. like a tube going to my hand, you know, I just suck out <laughs> yeah. the dopamine. It's like an IV from his brain to I my brain. I believe it. I believe it. I think, you know, one of the things making me so stressed right now that I think a lot of people listening might feel as well is the end of the year. You know, as an entrepreneur, when you're responsible for every dollar of your income, I'm a solopreneur, so literally every dollar of my income, the thought of having to start over a brand new year is not only stressful, but overwhelming. You know, I hit my money goal for this year, but I'm wondering, how am I going to do it again? Every single year, it's how am I going to do it again? Well, okay. That's a, that's a really great point. And you hit it this year. Did you hit it last year? I did not hit it last year. No. And, um, you know, I think my goal is also shockingly low. A friend the other day was saying how, what she thinks people my age should be making. And I'm not making anywhere near that. Well, part, part of it also is, is that now you're doing all these new things to, to start, we're trying to light a fire under new things so that we exceed your goal by many, many multiples. And sometimes that takes time. Like initially we thought, okay, 12 months, maybe it'll take 12 months, but maybe, you know, give or take. I didn't hit my goal for this year. I always have a goal. I didn't hit mine, but you just have faith that if you, if you kind of plant the garden, it'll, you know, it'll grow at some point. Yeah. So you just have to, it, that's the whole 1% a day thing. Like if you just keep, keep taking, tending to the garden, then it will grow. It's just, you know, 
sometimes it takes longer than than other times. But yeah, that end of the year stress is 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 hard. Like I think to myself, oh my gosh, I got to get all this stuff done by the end of the year, and uh, so I have new projects. I have projects launching tomorrow and December first, and I have all sorts of stuff for end of the year going on that is stressful. But but yeah, it's just part of the part of the rhythm of this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, this is the time of year where I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of everything I did, but how are you going to pull it off again for year six, but, Jen? But you, <laughs> you can't, you can't think about next year because you're, you're, you just have to have faith in yourself. You know, you could yeah, do it. Yeah. So why wouldn't you do it next year? Yeah. I mean, what, what would stop, let, let's think about it. What would stop it from happening next year? You know, it's like, when I try to meet these goals every single month of how much I want to make, I slide by them by like the thinnest margin, right? And it's like doing the most creative, odd things. It's like, okay, now I have to redo that next year. And it's always, you know, it's like I'm sort of gambling. I'm risking it. Nothing's guaranteed. But I think to myself, what's the alternative? I can't get a full-time job. I don't think I, I couldn't survive. I'd be fired on day one. 55 million people were laid off in 2020 because of the pandemic. So those aren't really secure Right, situations. exactly, exactly. So what you're doing is the most secure of all. But okay, let me ask you this. What did grow every month? Like what what uh what was a positive thing that grew every month? Bridesmaid for Hire, my business made more money this year than it has in a very long time. So that grew significantly month after month. Is that because more people were having on-site weddings than ever before, but they were lacking basically personnel to help them? It was that, but it was also other services. So the maid of honor speech writing I do, because it's ranked mm. first on Google, I get probably six to 10 a month. My course, my passive income course I have for Brides Me For Hire, I get a ton every month. So it's like, and also advertising in the newsletter, thanks to you, that's money coming in. So that is something that for the first time in a very long time has been super successful that I think I can maintain and grow even more next year. So, you know, like over the past couple of years, I've been making money from external things, from consulting and things like that. But this year is the first year where I made pretty much equal of my own income from Jen Glantz, from Bridesmaid for Hire and outside things like consulting and speaking and doing things for other people. Yeah. Like it's so great when your core thing that you've been doing forever kind of rises up and, and kind of makes your income, you know, the level you need for income. And then these other things you do when they start bringing money and it's like gravy, but then you could kind of, you know, double down on the things that are working. And that's how eventually, you know, you start generating real wealth. Yeah. So it might be the case that bribes me for hire is good for income, but it's not going to create, you know, millions, but it gives you the money and the freedom to pursue these other things that could make that amount. Yeah. You know, yes, I'm in Florida right now visiting my family and we were driving up famous Palm Beach area, looking at all of the mansions, the $60 million mansions. And I couldn't help but think to myself, what did these people do to make this much money, right? There's thousands of these mansions. What did they do to make this much money? And I don't know if that's an idea for somebody else's newsletter or podcast, or maybe featuring in odd jobs, but I'm so fascinated how people went from making nothing to owning $60 million homes. And you can't find out that information at a very, you know, specific level. They'll just say, oh, I, I'm, I'm a CEO of a business. No, but what did you do with your money? How did you invest it? Where did you put it? Like, I, I'm so fascinated by this and hungry to know how rich people continue to build their wealth. And, and you know what, you know what, it, it, I'm really fascinated by this as well. Like, so for instance, um, we were looking at a house uh, when we were looking around at, at houses, I wanted to find out how the guy who owned the house made his money. I kind of Googled him and looked him up. 
he basically made money by collecting everybody's trash and finding kind of the metal in the trash, you know, it's this odd pieces of metal. And then he would melt it down and it's called slag at that point, And he would sell it. And it was just an ugly, gross business. But he's even quoted in this one article that you make the most money from ugly businesses. Mm. And so that was like an, a weird example where he probably made, you know, 10, I don't know, 10, let's say 10 million. But like those houses in Palm Beach, a lot of that is inherited wealth and Tony Robbins, you know, people like that. So it just depends. I, I, I have a lot of times I have one friend, he's a regular employee at a regular job and something like three years ago or four years ago, a neighbor of his in his apartment building said, Hey, do you want to put $10,000 in this one investment? And it was a crypto related investment. And my friend barely knew the guy, but he's like, okay, $10,000, I'll put it in. And it, that's a that $10,000 stake is worth 23 million right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you just, I think with most people, you can't figure it out because there, there are situations like that, but yeah. there's, but it just goes to show you though, there's, you know, right now between Trump's bailouts and Biden's bailout, there's been an extra $10 trillion just showering the economy. And, and just to put that in perspective, I think there's something like $40 trillion of currency on the planet. So just in the past year, an extra 10 trillion, like, you know, a third of that, it was 30 trillion. Now it's 40 trillion. So a third more money was added to the world and it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So, and it's, it's not going to go to the people who are going to a nine to five job. It's going to go to the people who have their hands out and are looking for that money right now is a great time to be a solopreneur and to try as many things as possible. I almost feel stressed. I'm not doing enough, but then as it is, I'm overloaded with, with all the things I'm doing. So I get stressed on that. So you get, you get stressed no matter what. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I think like, I, and that's one of the things I had on my list. I'm like, I want to make more money in 2022 because I think I can. And there's so many little things I think I'm doing wrong that hold me back from making that money. And a lot of that's organization or just streamlining things or just getting things going, you know? And I think that's a huge goal of 2022 is to make more money. You know, my friend said how much he thinks a person my age should be making. And I wasn't even making anything close to that. I thought- What did, what did your friend say? She thought, and I'm 33. She thought somebody my age should be making 250 plus. I mean, when I was 33, I don't even know if I was making that because this was during the, one of the times when I went totally broke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, right. no, 33, I was, I made zero. I, I lost millions that year. Wait, James, so, is it- is, is, Aren't you supposed to raise my 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 salary right now? We planned this. Yeah, yeah, we planned this. Wait, Jay, are you, what, you're, you're not 33 yet, right? I I met you when you were 19 a few years ago. <laughs> it was 26. <laughs> okay, so how old are you now? 31. Me? No, I'm 33. I'm about the same age as uh, Jen. You're 33. Yeah. All right. All right. You're gonna have to raise your salary to 250. There you go. <laughs> Jay, I get 10% of that. You know yes. that, right? <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, so I don't think your friends, I don't think your friends, right. Cause I was making like negative at that age. Like that's when, that's also the year, one of the years when you're taking the biggest risks. Yeah. Cause think about it in your twenties, you're taking risks, but they're not really risks cause you don't have the responsibilities yet. Yeah. And in 40 and fifties, sometimes it's too hard to take risks. Although I dispute that I I'm in my fifties. I tend to take too many risks still, but 30s is what, like the prime time for risk-taking. I would say that the 30s, you should be 
not making as much because you're trying lots of things that are yeah. risky. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, hopefully you organize your life in such a way that you could handle the volatility of that. I did not do that, but uh, I survived somehow anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's good though that, A, it's good that Bridesmaid for Hire is doing well. B, you can't worry about next year. Next year will be next year. And, and by the way, I do that too. I, I'll, when, particularly during rough periods, I'll say to myself, oh my gosh, I have 16 months left and then I'm dead broke. I have six months left and then I'm dead broke and on and on. And it's just a horrible way to think because you can't control that. You yeah. can just control your actions today, what you're going to do to solve things. But you can't worry about, well, what am I going to do two years from now when all this doesn't work out? You can't think about it. Yeah. But I'm telling myself that. It's not, it's, it's just, I go through that all the time. I think it's probably normal, right? You know, I have days where I'm like, oh my God, tomorrow might be, I might make zero dollars. Then I have days where I'm like, wow, things are going really well, you know? So I think it's, it's tough. I think, you know, after this past month, I need to become, I need to, I need to be stronger. I need to become more thick skinned. I need to, I need to be able to just, I think, roll with things a little bit better. I take everything so personally. So if something's going wrong or someone's coming after me or something's not working, I take it really personally. And that adds to the stress for sure. Yeah. No, I believe me, I do the same thing. Uh, I'm always wondering, like, why did this person do this? Why did this person do that? And it's good to analyze why yeah. do people act certain ways, but you can't take it personally. Although, again, I'm talking more to myself than than anything. So, so let's go through your, your list. Uh, what, what do you want to start with? Um, you, you, can, you really do have so many things going on. It's great. I know. I'm, I'm I excited so to hear things. about everything. And then I have new things I wanted to ask you about, but okay, I guess we can start with, um, the newlywed card game. Cause that's a positive. So okay. I put that on Kickstarter and I got it 200% funded. So, whoa. Yes. Well, so what was your, what was your funding goal? I forget. 500. <laughs> okay. You asked for too little, but that's fine. <laughs> but I made over a thousand with it. And the cool part was it was, you know, a couple people who I know, but then a lot of people I didn't know, a lot of strangers. So that was really cool. How many, um, how many funders all together? I think close to 30. That's great. Yeah, it was a good start. I did very minimal advertising of it. So after that closed, um, I built a new landing page temporarily for it. And I bought the domain name, the newlywed card game. Um, I ordered a sample deck. So I finished the questions. Last time we spoke, we were with Robin. We were going over questions. So now I ordered the deck as a sample to go through it. Um, once it's ready to be printed, my husband, Adam, is like an Amazon guru. He's going to put it up on Amazon and another big oh, update is um, an online store emailed me, and I've known them. They're they're pretty well known. They somehow found the newlywed card game, and they asked me to send them a sample of it because they might want to sell it on their website. That's excellent. Now, and you, yeah. you know, by the way, we had a podcast with um, a guy, Phil Stutz. He does a lot of uh, surveys about how people are spending their time and so on. He found that overwhelmingly this year, more than any other year women are using Pinterest through the roof, like more than any other social media. And I don't know if you use Pinterest, but that could be a place where you really go for it. And there's also links from Pinterest directly into, yeah. you know, shopping and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always heard Pinterest is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I'm wondering, A, do I pursue this online store? Because they do take a pretty big cut and then, well, do they want an exclusive with you? No, they don't want. I, they don't want it. They didn't mention an exclusive. Then, as long as you get the email addresses of all the customers, okay, do it because 
later products, you'll just do direct to yep. uh, your email list. So it's just people you wouldn't have otherwise gotten as long as you don't lose money. Yeah. And then I, I was going to think about pitching. There's all these like relationship marriage subscription boxes. So I was going to pitch them when I have the deck offering. That's a huge idea. But my question is, should I change the name? Because Newlywed Card Game is not trademarked. It's open. But Newlywed Game obviously is a show, a TV show. It's trademarked for TV only. Um, I Do I just change the name and make it something completely unique? Or do I stick with the Newlywed Card Game, which I like because it's so obvious what this is? Um, yeah, well, you know what? I like the newlywed card game, but let's just brainstorm for a second. What, 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 what would you change it to? What was your first thought? Something with marriage, like, um, challenge your marriage. The challenge. I like challenge your marriage. The marriage challenge. Oh, I like the marriage challenge. Yeah. How, how about, is your relationship fucked? <laughs> or like on- that Unfuck your relationship. <laughs> unfuck your relationship. The unfuck your relationship card game. Like people will at least notice that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, what's, what, what was Mark Manson's book? Uh, the Su- Subtle Art of Not Giving, Giving a, a fuck. fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a bestseller. I'm sure not because of the title, but probably the title helped. Because, you know, not everybody who's going to be playing the game is married. It's, it's all about relationships too. Right. Yeah. Um, the should you date this person card game. Mm. Or should you, you know, is my BF slash GF a loser card game? (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So just kind of like really like, and then you could just picture people around the the couch or whatever. Ah, you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yep. And then two days later, you will hear like, oh, this couple's got divorced. (laughs) That couple got divorced. I could have a divorce lawyer sponsor the game, put their card in there. Oh my God, that's a great idea. Just think of the sponsors you could have for this game. You could have each card has a sponsor. I was thinking that's, that. That's a business model for, for this. I so was this way you don't have to that, charge yeah. as much. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I hired a designer to do the deck and this person was like, hey, I'll give you a discount if you put my name on the deck. So you're right. Like it could be some sort of advertising and maybe the next version of it is advertising too. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And, uh, or you can get some like wedding magazine to, uh, uh, sponsor it so that they're on every page. Uh, there's all sorts of things you could do. I like the design of, that I've seen, like what well, that was on Kickstarter, the newlywed card game. But now that I think about it, I bet you, you can have a more challenging kind of title. Yeah. Like a little bit edgier. I'm going to brainstorm even more names. Yeah. All right. So that's good. And then, um, what, how, in terms of making it, uh, you know how to make it and everything? Yep. I have a company who um, I designed the first deck of, and before I ordered all the, all of them, I just printed a sample one to look at. So that's coming the first week of December. And then once it all looks good, I'm going to order my first hundred. And I was going to price them at $18.99, just because that's sort of what I researched and found was like how much these games go for. I would profit about um, 9 to $10 on them. And then I'd also charge for shipping so I don't have to cover that cost. Yeah, that's good. And you can, if you ever need like a little more margin, you could add to the shipping costs somehow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, and you could, what, what, let me ask you this. What's an upsell? So in other words, they're checking out of the shopping cart and they're buying one deck of the newlywed card game. What's the thing you could put right at the so-called point of purchase that say, Hey, if you bought this, you might also like 
Yeah. This. So, so far right now, I have one where you get a second deck for 50% off just because I'm thinking people would want to gift one. But I could go back to what I offered on Kickstarter and do some of those, or I could even team up with somebody and have them pay me to offer their, their product or service as an upsell too. Yeah. You know, the, the fact, the idea that you're going through the whole process of making this, everything from the Kickstarter to designing the cards to making the cards and the questions to setting it up on Amazon, like I would pay for that service. If I had an idea for a card game, yeah. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to reinvent the wheel. I would just hire your company to make my card game. Well, is that a business like getting married? Why not gift your partner your own personalized card game? I mean, that's such a great wedding gift for couples. I think it's a good wedding gift or a good anniversary gift or, uh, but it's just even outside the scope of weddings. Like what if I came up with a card game? What's the big card game about? Cards against humanity. Yeah. Cards against humanity. So, uh, there's all sorts of ideas. Like I was thinking, I was thinking of a card game. Uh, uh, last year, Trump against humanity, or you could mm. do Biden against humanity, yeah. but like not that title, but like something like that. And so, and we were even like making the rules, and but then I just lost interest. But uh, there's lots of ideas for card games out there that could be fun. Yeah, I think you know, I think being the service because you can make a card game anywhere. But being the service that helps you make it, that writes the cards for you, that does all of that, could be a business idea that's worth pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, uh, what's another? What's so? So, what? What else is going on with the card game? Like, when do you? When do you start making it? So, um, I'm planning to ship the first thirty that were bought by people in middle of December, and then having my first order, which I'll then put on Amazon, run ads for, actually promote, do PR around. So, by the end of December, January, this is going to be up and running for sale. Wow! So that's great. And you'll be on Amazon, everything? Yeah, and I actually, so I played the cards with Adam because I figured I should test it out before I make it. And he his, his direct quote was that this was shockingly more fun than he thought it was going to be. And he's very honest. He wasn't just saying that. So he really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. He didn't think, you know, we went through all the questions and I don't think any are boring. I think all of them have a fun element to them or a serious element to them. So it's a good mix. Oh yeah, that's good. What are some of the new questions? I'm going to pull them up right now um, because we had a lot of ones and we had to cut a bunch. So let me pull up. If $1 million entered our world tomorrow, how do you think I would spend it? Mm, how do you think I would spend it? That's mm-hmm. good. Um, what's the weirdest thing about me? Which is a good question because some of the things Adam said, I was like, wow, you're right. No one else really knows that. And, and then is there, uh, I forget, is there, are there a penalty somehow if, if they get it wrong? Like, are you keeping score? There's not, but I could add that to the next version. It's sort of like a scorecard with penalties. Yeah, like maybe each card should have points. Yeah. And they either gain or lose those points. And then you could have a, a kind of a guide. Like if they score, le- you know, let's say there's 100 total points. If they score less than 80 points, then uh, you need to work on your relationship. If yeah. they score only 50 points, it's like you guys should try to rekindle the romance. And if they score yeah. less than 20 points, you have to get a divorce. I like here, that. Here's the number for a good divorce lawyer. <laughs> I like that. Uh, one of the challenges is blindfold the other pers- them, person and ask them to draw you on a piece of paper. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a great one. I like those action ones. Uh, oh, on a scale of one to 10, close your eyes. And on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with our lives right now? Put your fingers up and then open your eyes. So I might say two, you might say 10, and then you open your eyes and you see. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. 
So, so okay, so and it's going to be available for sale January. I'm ordering a whole bunch, and Jay's ordering a whole bunch. Jay already gets a bunch. I'm sending them to all of you. Um, okay, excellent. And and, uh, and then what's the next card game? Because um, like now, then you should have like you know, there's all sorts of versions. You should have like the adult version. You should have the uh, maybe people who just start dating, or they haven't dated yet. Like it's 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 the dating the date the first date card game. Oh, like this yeah, is the card game cute. you should play on your first date. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I like that. Uh, maybe even one around divorce. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's an interesting concept is a lot of these card games are supposed to be played with other people, but I think there's also a market of a card game to play by yourself. Yeah. Maybe kind of like some sort of a uh, self-improvement yep. uh, card game somehow. Yep. yep. Like you just got out of a relationship or a divorce and it's like, okay, let's like work on you with some challenges and some like crazy activities, things like that. Yeah. Like, oh, kind of, you know, like, uh, different ways that you could, um, do something surprising or scare or mm -hmm. challenge yourself each day. Yep. And, and again, there's points like, so, you know, you could take the, and, and the, the goal is, you know, tr try to raise the number of points you get each week. And, you know, over a 12 week period, uh, you'll improve yourself somehow. Yep. Yep. Oh, I, lo I love that. I think that could be really, really cool. Um, so yeah, that's the card game. It's going really well. And then the first years of marriage newsletter is going pretty well too. I got it featured in Fox news, which whatever, but it's, you know, got featured somewhere. And, um, well, when you say Fox news, what did they do? They interviewed me about Bill Gates's daughter's wedding. And they mentioned as in my title that I was bridesmaid for hire and first years of marriage. And they linked to the newsletter, which drove, you know, I think like a hundred, 150 signups. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and then another thing I did that worked really well was I, I did an article um, interviewing divorce lawyers. So like five reasons people get divorced the first year of marriage. And I, featured, oh, yeah, I saw that. And then I linked divorce lawyers and then they shared it with their network and that drove a lot of signups. So that's my wow, new thing. So, yeah, you should do that every single time. Yep, yep. I did it again this week and then it drives those people to share it with their audience. So that's like my free way of getting new subscribers. And uh, how many subscribers now do you have on First Years of Marriage? We're still under 1,000, so 800. 800? Okay, that, that's great. So, all right. And then, and, but like how many did you gain this past month? I think I gained around like 150. So you gained like 14% uh, or no more than that, a little more than that. So that's, that's great. It's uh, definitely moving slower than odd jobs. It's definitely moving slower, but I think I can still do some work to advertise it in places that the audience is. So reaching you know out why? to these experts. It, the market for odd jobs is like 200 million people and yeah. the market for people who just got married is much smaller. It's yep. still a huge market, but it's yep. smaller. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. So, uh, and is that one, have you been monetizing that one at all? No. Okay. Still, still, still focusing on the content, but it's good. Like trying different things like the divorce lawyer thing. You saw that this was a good source of, uh, getting new subscribers. This is the most, it sounds like this is the most new subscribers you got in a month since the first month. Yeah, it is. And I also made a TikTok and an Instagram reel. I made like one of them and that drove a good amount of people too. So I can start making more and more and more of those. Um, so that's something I'm going to start doing. Yeah, that's great. You know, uh, you should do, do you, do you and uh, Adam argue a lot? Of course. 
You should do a podcast. Like whenever you start arguing about something, start recording it and and release that on your newsletter. Mm. People will definitely share that. Yeah, I love that. Gotta just so, get him to agree. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're really about to get into it, like you don't want to go to his parents' house for Thanksgiving and uh, she's always asking about what you're going to cook and or she doesn't want you to cook. Why not? It's all sorts of things people could argue about on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I love, uh, well, that's why this week's was popular because it's like how to dodge the questions you get asked as a newlywed on Thanksgiving. So when everyone's asking you when you're having a kid or when you're doing all this, I had all these experts break down how to handle that. And that one got a high open rate because I think that's like obviously very relevant to right now. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I I became a really good guest of Airbnbs. And I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be 
VP of en- entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What percentage of people do you think want to have a kid when they get married? It's so hard to tell. I think it's so location-based because like my people I know in New York who are in their 30s and just got married, they're not looking to have a kid. But I'm in Florida right now where all my friends who got married had a kid within the first year and a half. So I think it's so location-based and community-based, but I would say like maybe more than, maybe like a little bit over 50% want to have a kid the first or second year. Yeah, that's a lot. But that's also Uh, when a lot of the marriages fail. So... Yeah, because who knows? Like maybe the marriage, like you never know. Well, why should the marriage be like such a big change happens when you have a kid? You have to make sure your relationship can handle that. But a lot of people have, not a lot of people, but people also try to have a kid the first year or two because they have nothing really else to look forward to. And they think that's what to do next, even though the relationship is not very good. People are so brainwashed to think marriage, kid, next, next, next. But that's not really what they want. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I definitely did not want to have a kid when I got married, and uh, we, we, what we did was we agreed to wait a year, and like a year and one day later, she, my wife, was pregnant, and I'm infinitely grateful that we have a kid. Yeah. So, uh, it worked out, but I really did not want to have a kid. Yeah. Yeah. At least I thought I didn't. But people people feel the pressure. I can't tell you how many people ask me when we're having a kid, or they look at me and they're like, I, "Are you might be are you pregnant?" You know, and it's like. It's it's just. Now, do you take bizarre. that as an insult? They look at you and say, "Are you pregnant?" Beyond beyond an insult, I'm thinking to myself, I have to start, you know, wearing bigger pants or something. I mean, it's just it's so insulting because it's like, why is that the next step you think everyone has to take? And also, people ask me more about that than anything I'm working on. I guarantee you, if I posted I'm pregnant on Facebook, more people would care about that than my odd jobs newsletter. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it, it's definitely different for men and women. Like no one ever asked me. Oh yeah, if I was if I was pregnant. So yep, yep. Everybody asks me, and everyone finds their weird way of asking it. Some people are very direct, and then some people say it in this like very you know unusual way. But maybe that's a post. But yeah, how people ask you if you're gonna have kids? It's just bizarre. It's bizarre. So so let's um, let's talk about odd jobs. How's that one doing? So that's you know it's good. I hit over a thousand. I'm at twelve. 1,200 subscribers. Oh, that's um, amazing. How many subscribers this past month? I think over 200. It, it, a lot. We were Last time we talked, I think I was at 900 something. So over 250 in the last month. That is amazing. So what, what do you think is, 
is clicking in. Like that's a huge percentage. It's like a 25% gain in one month. I, you, if you if you move up 25% every month, that means you'll you'll double every three months. So like this time next year, if you do 25% a month, you'll be uh, 2,500 in March, 5,000 in June, 10,000 at the end of September and 20,000 at the end of the year. Wow. Yeah, you know, I think like, a lot of things went clicked into place. Number one, um, it was mentioned in CNBC and Business Insider. So I think having it linked there, people clicked over and subscribed. I did a cross promotion for free with another woman's newsletter that brought a lot of subscribers. I was featured on a podcast that's about careers, um, a TikTok video. So a lot of different things snapped into place. Also, I think it's a time of the year where people either want to make more money or want to quit their job. So I'm getting some people who are signing up because they're just like, I need to make some quick money or I just hate my job. Yeah. And, and probably, probably both. So so that's good. And and let me ask you, do you think your newsletter is helping them? Yes, because I think what I do is I give them, I think I give them practical advice, but I also give them open opportunities to apply for every Friday. And I think people really mm-hmm. like that because I do the heavy lifting for you. So if the theme of the week is jobs around pets on Friday, I'm going to give you 20 jobs that are open right now to apply to if you love pets or whatever it is. And then on Monday, I'm giving people practical ways of getting into those jobs or starting those jobs. So I did one about how to make money, how to make $10,000 over the holiday season. And I broke down a bunch of ideas and I tried to help them exactly with how to market it, how to start it, what to do. So I think it's helping them. Of course it could help more, but I like this better than like interviewing like the professional mermaid once a week. This is my, this newsletter is way more actionable. Yeah. Like if someone, like you remember you did the one on surveys. So if someone wanted to do online surveys, for a couple thousand a month. Do you have the the links to actually show them how to do it? Absolutely. It's the links of exactly where to go, exactly how much you're going to get paid per survey and how long it's going to take you um, and available opportunities. So yeah, I, I think like it is actionable, but then there's some like for the seasonal jobs, I was like, a great way of making money right now is to become a professional gift buyer. So sitting down with the person and picking out all the gifts for their family and friends, you could make a thousand dollars a person doing that. Oh yeah. I I saw that one. And I was thinking, I was wondering how does someone get started at that? So that I would market more locally than trying to go online. I would lit, I would literally in your local community print um, a sheet of paper, a flyer with your information or post it on all of your social media, tell 10 friends to tell 10 other people, because that's something, because it is so last minute, you're going to want to retract your network. It's pointless to start a website right now. It's pointless to sort of run ads for that. But I think that if you put that service out there, whether with ground marketing in person or with your local area, I think you can be super successful. People are so stressed right now about gifts And if you're somebody who's like, oh, I can go research all of the gifts for you, give you all the links of where to buy them, that's a valuable service. And did you say in the newsletter, I forget how to to get started doing it? I think so. I think for that one, I gave examples of people who do it. And then I said, you know, here's how you could market it. Um, So I think I think I did do that in that one. But I could always do more of that. I could definitely do a better job. So between odd jobs and first years of marriage, you have over 2,000 subscribers. Yeah. So this is, this is, this is amazing. So this is great. And then, um, uh, with odd jobs, again, I think that one, the more specific you are about how people can do this now and basically start making money yesterday, I think the more traffic it's going to get. 
And and are you asking like are you answering questions on Quora and stuff like that? Um, I need to do more of that. I mm-hmm. I've been putting it on LinkedIn, and that's been okay. good. But I can LinkedIn's do, good. Yeah, I can do more Quora. You know, it's made me think that it's not just odd jobs. Like I can't figure out what this newsletter is actually about. But it's not like meet the weirdo person doing the weird right. job. It's like it's something else. It's more like you want to make extra money or you want to do a career change. Like here is like maybe things you didn't even think about. So it's becoming to me more than just odd jobs. Yeah, no, and I think that's, I think that's really great. So, uh, it's, it's kind of more like, it's kind of more like side hustles or it's more like, you know, work from home type of, type of jobs. Yeah. Um, the number so side hustles, not even like that, that great a word for it. Um, yeah, it's more like it's more like work from home. When I look at my Google Analytics, like the biggest search terms are work from home jobs or side hustles from home. So all of that has been like what people are finding this from. Yeah, uh, that's good. So that, and that's good to look at that stuff because then you might want to think of like just testing out. Like, have you tried like some basic ads, something like that? Yeah, have my we talked Google- about Facebook ads. I've been doing, so I tried Google ads and LinkedIn ads. Google ads work really well. Um, LinkedIn ads did not work really well. And I haven't done Facebook, but I could do Facebook. I was going to wait till after the holidays. And also now, I guess with this insight we have about Pinterest, maybe uh, does Pinterest allow ads? I don't know. Yes, yes, they do. Yep. Okay. So, so that's good. So, okay. It sounds like these newsletters, are you enjoying them? Are you enjoying doing them? I love them. I'm having so much fun with them, um, especially because they're so different. I write four newsletters a week. I write odd jobs, first years of marriage, my Monday and my bridesmaid for hire one. So I'm writing four a week, but I really like all of them and all of them have a, a different audience. So, and, um, I'm surprised like the odd jobs one, do you think you've, you've gotten, do you think that people are going from one of your newsletters to the odd jobs one? Cause I would think if you advertise the odd jobs one in your bridesmaid for hire one, yeah, people will go. I think they do. I think I get some traffic from my Monday newsletter. Well, here's what I was going to ask you. Like I write four of these newsletters. I wish there was like a, a way I can just say, subscribe to all things, Jen glance. And then you get a Monday update with like these four newsletters or something, because I'm sure I have crossover traffic, but all together with all my lists, I have, you know, close to 50,000 subscribers total. I wish I could just do something together. Yeah. Uh, Substack doesn't offer that option. Not in a, not in a nice way. I wonder if there is a way to do it or you know what, at the very least, uh, do it manually. So you see the request and then sign everybody up manually. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I want to do. Like, a subscribe to all things, Jen. Yeah, like if they hit the button, then you you send back an immediate email. Uh, oh, you know, signing this person subscribing to everything, and then starting on your next newsletters, they they'll find that they get all four. They don't have to know that it was done manually. Yeah, yeah. Like I was even thinking of like if they subscribe to all four, they get one email rather than getting four for me a day that have all four inside of it or something like that. But yeah, I think. Because there's definitely crossover, and if I already have fifty thousand total, there should be some way to combine it. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Um, and then odd jobs is the one. Let's uh, uh, first let's just rather than talk about that newsletter specifically, I just want to mention about trademark. Uh, we we had some discussion around uh, various newsletters and products that you could do or that you could potentially do where there might be companies in, in other industries that use, uh, the, a similar name. Yeah. And so for instance, 
when Apple computers started by Steve Jobs in the 70s, he had an issue because there was a record label called Apple Records. And it was the record label owned by a little band called the Beatles. And so they actually had a discussion and Apple computer said, well, look, we're in the computer business, you're in the music business. So by law, if you're in a different industry, you can use the same name. So they're used to, so obviously HBO, for instance, is a TV company. There used to be an HBO that was a medical supplies company and they had a different logo. Okay. That's a, that's a trademark. That's a little different. Um, but, uh, or, or it's a, I don't know, it's a, whatever you do with a graphic that makes it your graphic. Yeah. But, uh, when you're in a different industry, so, but, but, but the problem that Apple computer had is when they became just Apple and they started selling, uh, music on the phone, they had an issue and, and Apple records, Paul McCartney was upset because Steve jobs was breaking the deal. So that's why it actually took a while before the Beatles music was, was on Apple, uh, because they were still working out their deal and they had to settle it. But here's the thing. Some people might also say that. So, so if you're in two different industries, there's no, you, you can't infringe on a person's, uh, trademark or whatever. The other thing is, is if you have a commonly used word. So if I call, if I made apples and called myself the Apple company, I can't fight for my, uh, uh, you know, if somebody else calls themselves the Apple company, well, we sell apples and apples is a common word in the dictionary. That means a fruit. Okay. The way the reason Apple computer could get it, or when they first when, when Apple computer was first created, it was called Apple computer. The reason they got away with this because Apple's, if you look in the dictionary, has nothing to do with computers. So, and the reason the Beatles could do Apple records is because app in the dictionary, apples have nothing to do with music. So for commonly used words or expressions or phrases, unless if, if your phrase, unless your phrase means something completely different than what's in the dictionary, so the phrase is being just used to describe what you do, then it can't be trademarked. A, a common phrase can't be trademarked. Like if I, if, you know, if I called my company, you know, we do weddings and someone else says we do weddings, Inc., then yeah, we do weddings because we, it's not like we make computers where we're marrying people. So it's, it's totally different. Uh, or it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different than a company like, um, uh, uh, Pinterest. Okay. Or, or, or what's a commonly used word? Um, you know, snap, Snapchat, the company is called snap, I think. So, but they, but, but they're not talking about snapping your fingers. So they're allowed to use that word for their company as, and they're allowed to trademark it. So these are important things in the law and, People should know this when they're starting companies, if they're worried about trademark, that if it's just a common phrase that's in the dictionary, no worries. If you're in a different industry than other companies, no worries. Or if um, you use a word in a dictionary, but it, you know, you use a common word, but it's specifically used to distinguish your company, then you're not invading any trademark. So is it worth trademarking words that are so common, even though like, so then why do people file trademarks for words that are so common if they're not going to get approved in that sense? So like, you know, because in, in America, everybody could, anybody can sue for anything and people get afraid of lawsuits. So people will unethically do that in order to threaten people with lawsuits when it's just bullshit. 
Like it's not, there's no issue at all. I know this is, um, I've been down many roads of being threatened and all of this. And I'm sure people listening have received cease and desist as well. What are you supposed to do, especially if you know that you're not in the wrong, but you you are being threatened? Because, you know, legal stuff costs people a lot of money. So if you're the small fish and someone bigger is coming after you, what do people do in these situations, especially when they're not in the wrong, but they're being threatened? Yeah, that's a great question. For uh, Because you're right. Why should you even waste the time or money to deal with this when, what, what can you do? But uh, again, the reality is, unfortunately, people will threaten to sue and you have to do something. So for instance, if someone sends you a cease and desist, you have to respond or else they could easily, they have a basis for going to court. Like they didn't respond to the cease and desist. Now, again, even if the case is stupid, uh, as many cases are, people always have a right to, to sue or, or do something, you know, unfortunately. So here, here's the choices. You either get like a cheap lawyer who does a basic response and you know, is willing to help you out. Maybe they want to, maybe someone wants to be your lawyer because they see that you're on to bigger and better things. And this is a good introduction. So they won't charge. It doesn't take that many hours to season. This is like a, you know, responding to a season. This is almost like a form letter. Okay. So, you know, they don't have to charge you that much, maybe a couple hundred dollars, maybe a thousand if the lawyer's aggressive. And, or the other thing is you could just cave in a lot. Most people I would say cave in and there's nothing wrong with that either because let that, let these people play their games. You're trying to build a legitimate product. If you get in season desist and it's causing you stress to deal with this and you don't want to deal with the legal headache and you, you don't take your emotions into that. Like, why are these people doing this? Yeah then it's fine to, you know, just agree to the season desist and change what you're doing, even though it's every part of your body tells you it's wrong, what they're doing. They're just doing this to harass you. The flip side is, uh, in terms of like changing what you're doing again, there's nothing wrong with that. So let's say, you know, let's say one of your newsletters got a season desist and you decide to change what you're doing. You just change the name your current subscribers won't even realize it and your new subscribers never saw you with the old name anyway. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with, with doing that. You know, so really you could go either way. I don't know. Some part of me always wants to fight, but to be honest, I've actually almost never in all the businesses I've ever started and all the different things I've ever done. I've never been sued. I've never gone to court. I've never, I've, I've never dealt with a lawyer. Uh, in almost any case, like, yes, when you sell a company, I have had to hire a lawyer, but even incorporating, I just use like legal zoom and, mm -hmm. and, you know, just do that. So I don't know, I'm torn, but if you decide to go another way and you're not, uh, you know, in love with the name or you're willing to change the name of what you're doing, then no big deal. On the flip side, do you think it's worth trademarking names that you come up with? Yeah, but I've never done it. <laughs> I've, I've never won. I've, I really never deal with legal on anything. And the reason is, is because it's just, it's almost never worth it. Yeah. Like, like lawyers are expensive and I don't know why deal with a lawyer when you don't have to. Let's say someone made a podcast tomorrow called skip the line. They, yeah. They'd be allowed to do that. There's really nothing you could do. Right. And inside the podcast was similar types of things that your book talks about. They could do By that. By the way, Right. And legally, by the way, they can do that yeah. because skip, skip the line refers to skipping a line. Yep. So it's a common phrase and it actually means that. So 
you can't trademark a generic phrase. Yeah. So legally they could do that. I have had cases where one person took an article of mine and completely put it on his blog as if he wrote it and signed it, you know, digitally with his name. And I didn't sue the person, but I found a friend of mine knew that person and, you know, I had him change it. But, you know, that was a case where I could have done something legal, but it was not even a big deal. Like, who cares? Yeah. So I guess my gut is change the name, even though you don't have to, even if you don't have to. Now, if if it, if you've already got like a million customers and you don't really want to rebrand, then don't do it. But if you have like hypothetically 5,000 subscribers to your newsletter, there's nothing wrong with changing the name because all your mostly most of your subscribers are your future subscribers not not your current ones yeah no i know i'm just such a fighter in the sense of like i don't do anything wrong i try to follow all the rules and then you get something like this and it's just you know it, sometimes these things really piss you off and they scare i think the average person gets so scared by these legal things because we don't know what they mean and you know you you get a legal notice and you think someone's going to knock on your door and serve you papers and you know so i think these things for the average person like me is just terrifying yeah i agree uh it is terrifying i get i mean and again I've never gotten sued about anything, but I get legal stuff all the time. And each time it's always a little scary. I get, I get nervous opening the mail, Yeah, but it's just part of doing business. There are like bad people out there who will take advantage and you know, why deal with them? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think like, I just know a lot of people in business get these, this happens to everyone eventually. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people probably listening who, if you get the, if you, something like this happens to you, this is good advice to hear. Well, one time, uh, the only time I've ever been involved in anything potentially legal is one time I was on the board of a company where the company didn't do well. This is a very long time ago. The company didn't do well and the board was sued by investors. And everybody was, every member of the board was subpoenaed except for me. And so the law, the law firm, you know, we all had insurance for this sort of thing. So, and the company had a law firm handle all of us. And the law firm finally reached out to me and, and like, we want to meet with you. You're the only person who wasn't subpoenaed by the court. And after they met with me for like an hour or two, and by the way, there was the lawyer and there were three associates. So they were charging like an enormous amount of money to talk to me who wasn't even <laughs> subpoenaed by the court. Like there was no reason to actually talk to me. And, but they realized, they said, ah, we realized, you know, zero about this company. <laughs> And there's no way you could possibly have known anything that was going on. So that's why nobody, you're in danger of negligence, but no one has accused you of that. So you're fine. That must have been a good feeling. And you must have been proud of yourself for that. Yes, I was very proud. So, but other than that, I've never, you know, one time, actually Stock Picker, uh, this is a company I started in 2006 and seven. There was another company called Stock Ticker that raised the trademark issue. And we just said, we told them we're not going to do anything and they just never contacted us again. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the other thing is that when you respond, sometimes they say, okay, they didn't fall for our trick. And I'm not saying stock ticker didn't have a reasonable case. They, they weren't tricking, but like a lot of people are just doing a trick. Sometimes people say, oh, okay, they, they didn't fall for it. We don't want to go to court because court's expensive and we're probably going to lose anyway. So like if you did respond, it will go away. 
but it also might be an opportunity to just rethink the branding and then yeah. it's up to you what you want to do. Either way, you're, you're not going to, nothing bad is going to happen. Have I lost sleep over this? Yes. <laughs> Has it made me right. stress? Yes. <laughs> so, so this is one of those things where you can't lose sleep over it. Like, yeah. it. like you learn through experience that this is not worth losing sleep over. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good kick in the ass of just like, hey, Jen, this is what it's like to be someone who's creating things. And this, yeah. is, this is like getting better than getting an MBA is getting this real life experience of like, these are things that happen to you. Right. These are, and right. And they don't talk about this in business school, by the way. No. Like business school doesn't talk about any of the things you need to know to actually run a business. Right. Unfortunately. And they, sh- they should, you know, I mean, this is great. This is great real life experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's an opportunity to maybe, who knows, rebrand or something. I don't know. Uh, so how, what else, uh, what else is going on? Be my billboard. I have about over a hundred, hundred billboard. Yeah. hundred people on the site. And I sent an email today telling people to update their profiles because I'm going to send out my first package in December. I got um, another brand to sign on today Wow! and I updated the landing page, but I'm going to, I need to spend more time and do a complete redo, but I just made it simple. Sort of like what you said. Um, <clears throat> but you know, yeah, to me, like it's like, yeah. Yeah. The only, yeah. Just I'm looking at the site. I would just, again, I always, I hate scrolling. Yeah. So I would always, I would just tighten it up somehow and get all the information you need without as, as fast as possible. Be my billboard, become a billboard. That's even also just not completely clear. Although it becomes clear as I scroll, I would get it more up top somehow. But, um, all right, but that, but it was fine. And, uh, are there any brands that you didn't know in advance? Yeah, there's a brand that emailed me today that wants to be on there um, that I'd never heard of before, but that was sort of cool. And um, yeah, it's it's moving along. You know, I was thinking it's to me, it's like there's all these influencer sites out there, but this is almost like the influencer site for the nobodies, for the anybody's, for just real people. And there's nothing, yeah. there's something really like that out there. And that's sort of cool to me is like empowering like the nobody. It doesn't matter if you have a hundred subscribers or a million. It doesn't matter if you'd ever leave your house or you always leave your house. Like this is a platform where you could wear something and, and make money for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I always love this idea. This is a great idea. So, uh, so like, what are, what, what are some of the brands on there right now? Oh, um, oh, by the way, someone, because people are listening to this podcast, people have been sharing their own ideas of what you should do with this. Uh, so one question I had early on, which is how do you know if someone's really wearing your billboard, you should put, uh, like, let's say someone's, let's say a brand is giving everybody t-shirts to wear. Like, you know, the newlywed card game, you make a t-shirt and people are, are now a human billboard for the newlywed card game and they're wearing the t-shirt. And you want to know, is this person really wearing the t-shirt? Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? I'm giving away all this free stuff to this person. Put a QR code on the t-shirt. I was just going to, I was just going to ask you if you can print QR codes on t-shirts. Yes, you can. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like that even for, I don't know if it works virtually, but for over Zoom too, if there was a QR code right here that people could scan and take a picture of, you know, or I don't know, do QR codes like work if I have a picture of me with the QR code? Uh, yep, it does because yeah. it's only look for the one spot. Okay, but you have to, like, so let's say if you're wearing in front of a camera, it has to be a very clear camera because yeah. each 
black. Yeah, box. if there's a photo of you yeah. holding up a phone with a QR code and they run their phone, their camera over that image of the QR code. Yeah. That's on your phone, that's on a t-shirt, that you know, that's a picture of you, then it works. Yeah. I'm gonna like you can put it on a pocket right here and write like scan me, you know, like that could be really cool. I, yeah. I like the QR code. Um, but yeah, I think there's that. I think there's also like, you know, people people are wearing this virtually too, right? So if they're on a Zoom call, just taking a screenshot of how many people were on the Zoom call where they wore the shirt or, you know, posting it on social media. I think there's many ways of tracking this. Yeah, completely. So um, so that's great. So what's the next step for Be My Billboard? I want to continue to improve the site. I think it can use a big upgrade. It's working, but it's like... It can use a bit of a refresh. Um, and I'm going to mail out in December. The next step is mailing out the first packages of items to people and getting them to post about it, getting brands to review them. So it's actually, for the first time, getting people to really be billboards. Yeah, that's great. I'm excited. And Jay, do we have the James Altucher Show podcast on there yet? Not yet. <laughs> okay, we got to do that. And then we got we have T-shirts. And then I want to be a human billboard, so I'm going to sign up. Yes, I want the, I want all the James Altucher stuff, and then I'm going to send you both packages with QR codes on them. <laughs> oh yeah, and we're starting. We're I'm starting at least a company or two in the next, hopefully, next few weeks. So amazing. Uh, yeah, so we'll have to put those on there. And so, what are you doing to advertise that one again? Um, I really haven't done very much, honestly, but it's been, it's advertising. Yeah, because you're launching. Yeah, it's advertising other newsletters of mine and on my website. So I haven't really done much, but um, yeah, there's a huge pickup when it was mentioned on the podcast. A lot of people from the podcast. And, and this podcast or other podcasts? This podcast. And, and you should get on, this is one you could, is great to get on like CNBC and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe do deals with like ad agencies. If you know any like small ad agencies or even big ones, if you have any contacts in the ad agency business, but like it, this is one of those things where you just think of like everybody you know, yep. or or every company you know. Like you go to conferences and stuff like that with entrepreneurs, like just everybody you know, even if they have a small business. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, and then I had some new ideas that I was thinking of that I don't know if they're worth pursuing, but one of them is like I'm obsessed with the NFT space, and I was thinking of NFTs for weddings. Um, my slogan is your wedding isn't official until it's on the blockchain. Oh my God. This is a great idea. Whatever the idea is. <laughs> so, so here's, here's the thing. Think of NFTs. Don't think of it as art. I like to think of NFTs as tickets. So NFTs in some way provide access to something, whether it's a piece of art or whether it's a, a, a phone call with somebody or, uh, whatever. So, uh, in what okay describe your idea like in what way uh, would is this you know not just like a random thing that you're calling an nft but actually used as an as a blockchain yeah. you know specific idea there's so many ways i think it's very early but here's what i'm thinking way number 1 is it's a wedding gift so you can gift an nft of the couple right so that's art but number 2 is like what if your whole wedding was on the blockchain what if that's how you sent out invitations and people got invited like you know, through these exclusive NFTs, like what if in the, in the, you know, in the metaverse coming up, like you also had a wedding in the metaverse, like, yeah, I want to do this before anyone else does this. And I think there's so much potential for NFTs for weddings. I don't think my audience is there yet, but I think like maybe the male audience, there's like a lot of males that might be into this, like wedding. Oh my God. You should start a religion in the metaverse and get yourself, you know, classified as a minister. So you can actually give uh, you know, Efficient. perform weddings in the Met, yeah, officiate 
uh, in the metaverse. And of course, in real life, it could, uh, you know, so the NFT would maybe provide access to the metaverse version of the wedding and, uh, and the wedding itself, it could, it's the, it's the ticket to the wedding itself. So, so potentially someone could, uh, sell their ticket to your wedding, but yeah. you know, if it's an NFT, but that's kind of interesting as well. Right. But also like, you know, eventually wedding registries are going to be using cryptocurrency or maybe NFTs, like there's something, there's something, there's a billion dollar idea here with wedding registries and NFTs or crypto. There's a billion dollar idea with weddings, NFT and crypto. I don't really know what that is yet, but there's something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how big is the wedding industry? I mean, it's like a $17 billion industry. Okay. So let's, let's think right now. So what, so an NFT, an NFT in the wedding space, uh, what could it give you access to? Again, thinking in terms of access. Because people obviously want to go to the wedding, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to go to the metaverse wedding. But what, what, what's something that's really useful that they could want? What about the, uh, a picture with the brides and grooms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a VIP picture. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it can be in the family mm-hmm. or wherever. Yeah. And also, by the way, this could be kind of like a Kickstarter for weddings. Like, hey, buy the NFT of our wedding. You get this, this, and this. And it helps us defray the costs of the wedding. Yeah. And it's also like, it could be something with honeymoons too, where if you buy the NFT, you get access to like this honeymoon package or whatever it is. I mean. Yeah. Like maybe the couple can negotiate a discount with wherever they're having their honeymoon and, and say, Hey, we're selling an NFT about our honeymoon. Can you offer a discount in the future to anyone who has this NFT? Well, I think the cool thing is whatever the NFT gives you after you're married, you're probably incentivized to then sell it to somebody else who's getting married. So like, I think there is a huge lifespan of these NFTs for weddings. Yeah. I love this idea. I'm going to think of some more ideas or if any listeners out there wants to give Jen an, an NFT idea for the <laughs> wedding business, please get in touch with us or, or send me a message on Twitter. I'm at Jay Altucher. Jen, I forget what's your Twitter. Jen at Jen Glance. At Jen Glance, send to her. Don't send to Jay. He just forgets. <laughs> I was about and, to give a very bad NFT ideas. Like what? What? <clears throat> So the NFT would be the tickets to the honeymoon with the couple. <laughs> oh my God, that would be too much. Like, uh, but, but you get the chance, like two days only, one days only, a, a week, you know? <laughs> oh man, I mean. You know, what, you know what the NFT could actually do too is you could set up a prediction market where people could bet how long the, the NFT allows you to bet how long this marriage is going to last. <laughs> Or like all the annoying, annoying. Uh, how how long uh, before the annoying questions comes up? You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, this is my assignment: is I'm going to do a lot of research and come up with ten ideas for the NFTs in the wedding space because I think this is like an enormous, enormous idea that's very early for my personal audience. You know? Yeah. No, I I I love this idea. So, and again, there's never too many things going on. Like yeah. that's a great idea to pursue. It would be a shame not to pursue it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I mean, look, it sounds like everything's going in a good direction. And the main thing is, I think, be careful of the things you stress about. Think about it from the point of view, like, like compare an experience, like someone who's been in business for 20 years versus someone who's been in business, let's say two years. So what's the main difference? Now, the person who's been in business for 20 years probably knows sales a little better, probably knows how to execute a little better, probably does everything a little better. But the main thing that they do better is they know what to think about 
They know what to spend time thinking about and what not to waste time thinking about. And I think a lot of these stresses, uh, uh, someone who's been in business for a long time would not think too much about these things. Yeah, You would think about it to the extent of, is this real or not? And, and okay, I'll, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to change the name. The business has barely even got off the ground, so it's no big deal. Or this is bullshit. I'm going to have, I'm going to pay a lawyer 500 bucks. They're going to respond. I'm never going to hear from these guys again. And at the very least, I'll have a story about what happened when these guys tried to do this to me. Yeah. So, uh, and, yeah, so either, either way, but, but they wouldn't think too much about it. They wouldn't lose sleep over it. No, you're right. I think it's teaching me how to also like prepare for these situations, like even setting aside money for like problems in 2022 or like having a team of people like lawyers, I can instantly call when things happen so that I don't have to stress about all of this. So I think it's teaching me what I need to add in my life to handle random things that happen. Yeah. But like, for instance, you had this issue. I wrote to my lawyer who always responds to me or normally responds to me very quickly. He didn't respond at all. So, and which, which, a shows you to the extent to which I use lawyers and, and B and he's a very good lawyer. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised he didn't respond, but not completely because he probably just figured it was a non-issue. Cause I described to him what I thought of the, the solution. He probably just agreed with that, but they didn't respond. I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to him at some point and ask him, but, uh, so this, this all sounds great, Jen, and I can't wait till, uh, the newlywed card game or whatever you decide to call it comes out. I really like the design with the newlywed car game. But I agree. Now that I think about it, maybe you could have an edgier name. Yeah. No. I'm or gonna... by the way, maybe you could test both names. So make three designs of three different, of three card games with three different titles, put $20 each behind Facebook ads and the, the ads will click to nothing, but see, but you'll see all the analytics and see which design or which title attract the most clicks. Okay. That's a, that's a cool experiment. I'm going to try that. And then that's your name. Yeah, I'm going to do that with all the names I'm going to change to see what people click yeah. on. Cool. Uh, all right. And then uh, let's talk maybe uh, the week after next. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.